I'm Keith. And I'm John. This is Flummadiddle. Your somewhat reliable source of information for... For most things, Keith. Most things, including but not limited to the future of... Space travel, John. And Keith, I'm just going to be honest with the people right off the bat. I'm going to be as useless as tits on a bull today, Keith. <laughs> I am the uh, comic relief of this, Keith. This is Keith's show today. Um, I'm on the last one, if y'all noticed the information-heavy show that we had last time, I kind of talked a whole lot. So we're going to give Keith his turn today, and he'll probably be a little more succinct. Succinct? That's our word. Word succinct. for the day. Succinct. <laughs> S-U-C-C-I-N-C-T. So we are going to talk about the future of space travel, uh, starting with Artemis 1, then going off to Mars and how we're going to get there, the challenges, if we're going to get there, yeah, and then what the private space companies want to do. And then lastly, John, we'll talk about kind of the more sci-fi type stuff, you know, like how can we go further or can we even go further, John? I don't know, Keith. After that last one now, I'm going to tell you what. I, I took it a little long last time, but Keith was batting clean up and cleaned us up real nice there at the end, and we talked about just the scope of, like, the universe yeah, and the travel and the light years and just the distances, and it that was just mind-blowing stuff. I love stuff like that. Did we talk about that a lot? Yeah, we talked a little okay. bit about that at the I wasn't end. I not sure if we did or not. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but this is, like, part three of a three-parter. We yeah. did, like... Basically, the history of rockets and then yes. the history of space travel. Right. And now the future of the space The future travel. of space so travel. And then we're going to move on after that, Keith. Do we want to give them a little taste? Do mm. we want to just say one word? We want him to say the second word. All Let's right. just say the first word. At the same time, right? right. One, two, three. Kubla. That's all we're going to say. That's all we're going to say. That's coming right. up. That's coming up. All right. So let's first start, John, with the Artemis mission. Okay. okay. So that's near future. Do right? you know who Artemis is, by the way? It is the sister of Apollo. Apollo. All right. I only know that because you told me. Right. I think in one of the last few episodes, <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's the the sister goddess of Apollo. Correct. Right? Yeah. In Greek mythology. Yes, that's it, Keith. So um, Artemis um, missions, they will be coming up pretty soon. Yes. Um, so that's pretty near future. They're working on them now. We actually interviewed Dr. Blevins yes, with the did. Space Launch System, which is the rocket. That's the name of the rocket that's that we'll the, be carrying. Carrying kind of the flip side of the Saturn V, which took yes. the Apollo missions. And if I may, Keith, you since may. this is one of the few things I know about what we're talking about tonight, All right. I know that Artemis One will be that unmanned lunar orbit. Yes. Well, are they still hoping to do? Yeah, yeah it's right. unmanned. Yeah, that's right. On the, I wasn't sure about the, the lunar SLS orbit. rocket. That's right. But is that is that still going to happen this year, Keith? You think that's going to happen this year? I don't know. I haven't looked that up recently to see what their timeline is looking like now. Okay. But right. um, I, let's hope so. That'd be really cool, right? We've already had some cool space stuff happen that we're going to talk about later. Um, but that would be cool. Keith, can I say one thing real quick? You can say it. You are more ruggedly handsome than I even knew before, Keith. You know how I know that now? Because you got your eyes fixed. I had cataract surgery this week, Keith, and I can see your ruddy, complected self more clear than I ever have been able to see in the history of our friendship. Well, you're welcome. All right, man. Well, I didn't do it, but, right. <laughs> but I'm glad you're getting to see me better. Yeah, exactly, I? man. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the first Artemis mission, like you said, is an unmanned lunar orbit to test out the SLS rocket. Right. Pretty important. But what I did notice about this, John, is that it's not quite as many missions as the Apollo. Why do you think that is? Because it costs a whole lot of money. 
Or they're well, doing so much actually, testing early on in yeah. terms of the rocket, or they're reusing parts, or I don't know. Tell me, Key. Well, John, because we already really figured out a lot of stuff that we don't need to figure well, out again. Yeah, you know, you're like right. some of the Apollo missions with the early a, Apollo missions. It's just to make sure that we can like go into space for a certain amount of time and, and connect and, stuff. Yeah, together connect stuff together, stuff like outside. that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. A lot of stuff we've already done, you know. Sure. So now we know we can do a lot of that different stuff. We just need to make sure this particular rocket works fine. Right. right gotcha. So that's what we're working on now. Um, so. You know, Dr. Blevins did talk about how this is not a reusable rocket, and some people are all fussy about that. You know, why don't we use re? But it's actually the cheapest way to do it, but for for what they're doing, and so um, that is why it's not because it is just in this certain instance with what they're doing cheaper to throw it away. So right, it's not right. a reusable rocket. So um, the second Artemis mission though is a manned lunar orbit. So yes. you're actually putting somebody in the rocket once you know that it's okay, right? And going around the moon. Gotcha. All right. And so that actually will break a record, though, John. Right. It will actually That's send. That's what I heard, Key. Yeah. It will actually send humans the furthest ever into deep space when they go on that so far side of the moon. I guess it goes moon. however many feet further than Apollo 13. Yeah, I guess so. they went to the dark side. Or whatever Chinese or Russian rockets have yeah. gone and okay. orbited the moon. I, I don't know. It's just whatever traje- trajectory they're putting it trajectory. on. Trajectory. <laughs> trajectory they're putting it on. I love it, man. Yeah, that, that's going to break some records. And then finally, last but not least, supposed yeah. to be in 2024, 2024, is the... Artemis three. Yes, Artemis three, which is the man-moon landing. Keith, you might even call it a womaned moon yeah. landing as well because they right. will put the first woman on the moon that's the All plan right. right so um yeah and that'll be the first time we've been to the moon in right at 50 years yeah i see it. right at 50 years so what is was it 64 was the last time i mean uh 74, 74? 75 yeah, 74. yeah i can't remember when so that sure that's right at 50 years yeah absolutely, um, man. so that's it. I mean, that that right there is the near future of space travel. That's what we're planning on doing. Now we kind of get into the whys. Why are we going back to the moon, John? What do you think? Because we can. <laughs> that is one very good reason. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, Keith, that's a good question. I'm sure you would actually get a different answer on that depending who you asked. Right. But yeah. the idea is the kind of a going further, a looking forward. I wonder, you know, they're looking forward to this idea of going to Mars. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's, a, it's so a Mars it's a, thing, it's a, really. It's a run yeah. up to that. Yeah. we got to exercise. You know, we got to run the 5K before we can run the marathon, kind of. Right. And let's let's be <clears throat> frank. We, we stopped the moon missions because we didn't really have a reason to take that risk anymore right. to go back. You're like, why has it been 50 years since we've been to the moon? Well, we didn't have the technology even close to get to Mars at that point. So it's right. like, why go back to the moon over and over and over and risk this when we've done it? We've researched it. We've studied it's been it. done, man. But now it's like technology is getting there. Well, we might have the opportunity to go to Mars in the next few decades. And so they're saying, right. well, first we got to get back to the moon. And then and in doing that, what they're going to do is hopefully set up a space station on the moon. That's right. kind of That's the right. plan, right? Yeah, we talked a little bit about that, I think, uh, uh, a habitable place on the moon from which possibly to launch further yeah, you explorations could. out into the universe. Right, and that, that leads us into Mars. There's two ways that you could possibly get to Mars. One way, John, is you can launch from the moon, which has one-sixth of the gravity. 
Yeah, I remember we talked a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. another way is find better, you know, material. Uh, what do you call them? Not materials. Uh, fuel, better fuel right. that will give you more thrust from the Earth, and so even that moon stop wouldn't even be necessary. Like nu- nuclear. Nuclear fuels. is one that they're looking at. Or nuclear. Nuclear. Yeah, I always say nuclear. I think I do. Yeah, nuclear bomb. Some people would say nuclear. Nuclear. I don't know. That's the flip side. They're trying to be sharp. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Um, So anyway, there's a lot of challenges, though, John, with going to Mars, as you can imagine. Yes, there is, Keith. Let's just give you – I don't think people realize this. When you talk about going to Mars, you just think, oh, well, that's just right past the moon, right? Let's just – you know, it ain't going to take that much long. I mean, if we can do the moon, we can do Mars, right? I think that's what a lot of people think, you know, but – Let's just go to Mars, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just – you know, it's the closest planet, right? Oh, God. Is it the closest planet? I don't know. I didn't even research that. That's a good question. Keith. <laughs> I, I, Let's just I pretend it like is. it might be. But again, Keith, shall I remind everyone that we are somewhat them, yes. reliable source? We, we have to often remind people of that for some reason or another. <laughs> we um, are not claiming it. We're your overnight experts. Yes. But um, just to give them some perspective, John. And we're kind, handsome, and personable, Keith. So that goes a long way. Yes. And that's why people really listen to us, John. Exactly. Kind, handsome, and impersonal. If they're wanting the hard science, maybe go somewhere <laughs> yeah. else. Kind, handsome, and personable. Personable. Is that what you said? Yeah, yes. man. Okay. I almost said people want to be friends with We're good enough. We're smart enough. And doggone it, people like people us. People like us. So anyway, let's give them some perspective sure. there, John, of the distance of the of Mars, okay? The ISS, the International Space Station, is 254 miles from Earth. All right, so 254. That's about from where we are to the beach. Yeah. That's not yeah. real far. A little bit short of that, really. Right. It's not very far. Okay. And, um, well, I mean, but going up, that is kind of far. That's but, far on up. Yeah, yeah uh, you go up, that's far. You right. know, I can't far throw, enough. I can't throw a baseball that far, for sure. Um, so here's the thing. That is the furthest that we have humans living in space. Correct. That's it. That's as far that's as it. we got. Um, the moon, just to give you perspective, that's 254 miles, right? The moon is 238,900 miles from Earth. That's about a thousand times further. A thousand times further. Than the uh, ISS. That's quite a few times around the Earth. It is. Now, that's the Earth about 26,000 miles around the Earth, so that's about 10 trips around the Earth, something like that. Yeah, it's pretty far out there. It's a long way. It's a long way. Right. Now, you're going pretty fast, though, on them rockets, so it's not. they don't take that long to get there. Right. But let's put this in perspective. On Mars, Ooh. though, John, Mars is about 38 million, million. miles away. That's 150,000 times further than the ISS. The ISS. So whereas the moon is 1,000 times further than the ISS, which is the furthest 000. place that we have humans living in space, the Mars is 150,000 times further mm. than the ISS. That's a long way, Ski. That's a long way. So there's a lot of challenges in getting to I mean, that's Mars. what they're talking about with modern technology, at least. I mean, we're looking at six or seven-month trip here. Yes. Just to get there. Right. And that's that's when it's aligned a certain way. Right. When it's, that's at its closest. Yes. And if you... If what's you, the word, I wonder? It, it's closest... Orbit, I guess. Something, yeah. Around the sun? I feel like there's another word. Alignment? You know I love words. Is it alignment? Well, I'm not sure. I think it's its closest alignment. Anyway, um, yeah, otherwise it's like up to two years. It's like nine mm. months up to two years away. Gosh. Yeah. That's a long and so like, you got to wait like every couple of years to get that perfect alignment so that it's nine months. Sure. And I may have completely butchered that, and that's okay. That's all right. But yeah, about nine months is the best we can do, right? Nine or ten months. So um, 
<clears throat> the moon habitation, we'll call it, John, that yeah, they're going we'll to build up there, that. Sure. that will serve to test a prototype, too, for deep space, far-from-home living. Right. And so it's kind of like you have to learn how to live away from your home planet. and But it's close enough, though, that you can learn how to live away from your home planet, that if you have an emergency or you need to communicate, the communications get there. Sure. Rather quickly. Right. You know? Absolutely. Whereas with Mars, it's not the, the case. It's like no. a nine-minute uh, delay, I think, or something like that. At least four yeah, minutes. It's, it's, it's nine minutes because it goes both ways, but I think it's at least four minutes one way or four and a half it, minutes. I thought it was even longer than that. On the well, it could be it based on been. how far away it is, too, because we yeah, just said yeah. that, you know, it can... Like a 15... Because yeah. when they... I forget what it was, I was watching with the little uh, rover thing. And they were waiting, there, I want to say between 15 and like 20-something minutes. Was that the movie The Martian? No. No, no, no. This was actually a documentary. A doc- documentary? Documentary. <laughs> about the Mars stuff, about the rover Don't thing. say it like documentary. What, what are you, like some kind of redneck? Oh, that's like <laughs> Keith Clay, man. What you talking about? A documentary. A documentary. I like it. Yeah. Keith, we, we are ourselves. That's right, man. We can do more than look pretty and do podcasts, Keith. That's right. People just don't know. Um, anyway, nuclear propulsion systems are being developed. Um, so that you almost got to have that if you're yeah. going deep space. And so that's basically your two solutions to the distance problem: is either launching from the moon with one sixth of the right. gravity after you build the space. Which, meanwhile, while you're building the space, you're learning how to live away from home. So right. you're learning a lot of things that you'll need for Mars anyway, and launching from there or Maybe building this base anyway because it'd be cool to have a base on the moon and learn right. all these things, but also um, develop nuclear power sources on your rockets in order to sure. thrust it. And we've easier. talked about the idea of part of that moon habitation is building launch pads on the moon, right? Yes. So that there's a possibility of launching from there with the lower right. gravity. We mentioned that a little bit last time as well. Right, absolutely. And <clears throat> the thing is, John, that's not to say that we couldn't do it with our current situation you know we could we've launched to mars many times before right we've launched uh probes and probes. rovers and all kinds of the stuff rover, yeah, yeah. The little there's rover all kinds of rovers neat. yeah on mars all right um, so, so let's th- jump forward to some mars key so another challenge is the atmosphere yeah um so i just on mentioned mars that we have specifically right on mars yeah yeah um i just mentioned that we have launched many things but all of those things have been around a thousand pounds well, here's the problem, John. In order to launch what we need to land humans on Mars, it'll be about 20 times heavier than that. Oh, yeah. So, like, we've thought of all these ways and figured out all these ways to slow down a 1,000 pounds, but parachutes is one of those ways, right? Yeah. But they believe that with Mars, Mars's atmosphere, that parachutes have reached their limits with a 1,000 pounds. Like, once you get higher than that, parachutes are not really a solution anymore. And so You're now they're a high speed bullet into the dirt, brother. Yeah, and so they're they're having to figure out how do we slow down, you know, the thing that is twenty times heavier. Yeah, that's going to be thin atmosphere. Yeah, and they've you know they're thinking of different things like huge airbags and stuff like that, propulsion systems, and you know different ways to try to orbit and land at a more horizontal and vertical way. They're thinking sure. of all kinds of different solutions to this, sure. but it is a extremely challenging thing to overcome. And I just don't think that people realize how challenging. Because we've landed things on Mars before, I think people think, oh, well, let's just send people. But it's just not that simple. 
Right. We're trying to land something 20 times heavier. Yeah, that's a huge thing, Keith. Yes. And and we've kind of reached the limits of what we can slow down at 1,000 pounds. You know, and it's like now we got to figure out it's like a whole new ball game. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So not only that, but the idea from that, um, from the document, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> from the documentary that I watched, part of the issue with the, um, with the rover was that it was solar powered, right? Yes. So certain times of the year, man, that little booger was zooming. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, y'all. Got a little tickle in my throat there. Um, but did the storms, the sandstorms, dust storms, right, and the angle that the planet was at in relation to the sun, you know, made that solar power very unreliable at times. Yeah, absolutely. where it had to kind of hunker down and almost like the uh, the Mars of equivalent of a bear hibernating the right thing, just yes. just enough trickle power to make it through the storm to hope it could get, you know, back in the sunshine. Which is kind of neat. I mean, like, you know, humans learn with trial and error, and we have figured out that solar is probably not the best option for a power source. You know? So that's back to the nuclear. Yes, and it's, the also, nuclear, yeah. <laughs> nuclear. I know that word. I'm just... <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so we do have to find alternate power sources sure. for when we get up there, which, you know, may add weight to what we got to send up there. And so it's always this catch-22 kind of thing. You know? you know, whatever the technology is, I think if it doesn't use epoxy, five-minute epoxy and duct tape, yeah, it's just not working for me. I know, right? I mean, they you did can that do on about the Apollo anything. missions, right? You can do just about <laughs> anything with duct tape and, and five-minute right? epoxy, man. I have a feeling they've used that in space probably more than they once. They probably have, and they haven't told us. <laughs> All right, so, I mean, that kind of gets us to where we're at in the the fairly near future we talked about the very new near future and then the right. mars is probably several decades out right you know um who knows i mean who there's knows? all different predictions on that will it but, won't it yeah whatever but anyway we're probably at least within decades of mars landing um and here's the thing though it's not just nasa who is involved in this i do want to talk a little bit about the different private companies and what their plans are and what their aspirations are, okay. what they're trying to achieve. And uh, so let's start with SpaceX. All right, let's start with SpaceX, Keith. All right. That's my part of the thing. Are you all okay. ready to hear about SpaceX's plans for Mars? Let's all right, you ready? All right, Keith, that's all I've got to say about <laughs> that tonight because uh, I make no excuses. That was my end of the bargain. And, uh, you know, Whatever. All right. So well, SpaceX, you know, here's what I got to say about SpaceX. Elon Musk, weirdo, <laughs> Tesla, wants to yeah. go to Mars and rule the universe. Would you say what, eccentric billionaire? Would that be a better word than weirdo? Yeah. yeah, definitely. All right. So like, I will agree with you that I am not as big of an Elon Musk fan as I am Jeff Bezos. I know a lot of people won't agree with that because they're like anti-capitalism and crap like that, but right. I don't care. Um, Elon Musk... <clears throat> His idea is when people ask him why go to Mars, it's like, and I, this is the whole reason why I like Jeff Bezos better. Here it is, John. When they ask Elon Musk, he says, we're better as an interplanetary species than not. That's not a freaking You know what answer. that says? You know what that well, You know what I hear when he says that? What? That's what he said. Robot. I mean, that's, a, that's a just about as sensible. Yeah, I know. It, it it really don't make sense. It makes no sense. And, and it's He's not, not it's not an sense. answer. It's not an answer at all. And like we're fixing, we're fixing. That's a good southern word. Fixing. We're fixing, John, to 
to talk about some of the reasons why it's not a good answer. But can I but translate first, for those of you who aren't from the South? Maybe you're in Ireland. Maybe you're somewhere out. Fixing means we're about to. Yeah, we're about to. Okay. And so, um, but first, before I talk about why that's such a crappy idea, let me tell you about <laughs> Jeff Bezos's idea and why I do like it. Okay. Okay. Jeff says that this is the best planet in the solar system. He says we've been everywhere. We know that this is the best planet. Hey, this is this is what habitates our lives and makes it where we can live and thrive and grow. Yes. And- Hope and dream and absolutely and help others and all the stuff that we do. Very purposeful by our Creator to create us this wonderful yes. place, and we need to take care of it. The right? Blue planet, brother. Now listen, I don't care what you believe about global warming and all that stuff. I'm not a huge like you know alarmist on the climate change. Everybody knows that. But here's the thing: I don't care who you are. I think everybody thinks we need to take care of this planet. Absolutely. You know, no, no. Well, I don't want dirty air, dirty water. I mean, that's just yeah. nonsense. We don't want rivers catching fire no, like in uh-uh. the 70s and 80s. I yeah. mean, God created this planet. I think if, if you, you know, are a believer, you definitely would want to take care of the planet. Absolutely. Because, I mean, it's it's what he gave us, right? Absolutely. So, anyway, here's the thing, John. He says this is the best planet. And so his idea, and I, I think this is kind of smart. It's like, if we're going to continue to live for generation to generation, the population is going to in- continue to That's increase. That's a huge issue. It's it is. It's global a, population surge. It's, it's a huge concern for a lot of people. Right. Um, not for us, probably, but generations down the road. Absolutely. So here's the thing. His idea is, let's move these polluting industries out into space. And so he wants to occupy space in order to get to, to protect Earth to get the pollution away from Earth, to keep Earth in good shape. I got you. And I think that's pretty smart. And also, as a form of possibly uh, the problem with population, he talks about these... It wasn't proposed by him. It was proposed by, I think, a science fiction writer, and I can't remember the guy's name. I wish I could give him credit, but I can't remember his name. Um, I think I wrote it on my other one, and then I lost that one. So well, That's all right, man. But anyway, we know who the science fiction writer... Right came up with this idea of space colonies that are kind of like what you would attribute to the ISS, but about like 100,000 times bigger. Okay. That has like artificial gravity because it spins. And that's where we're going to send the Alabama fans. We're going to send them to the artificial colonies up in... And, you know, and I know this is far-fetched, like maybe thousands of years in the future, um, but his his thing is, as he says, that yes, it is far future, but we are building the infrastructure. And he has a very good analogy for that. He said, I would not have been able to do what I did with Amazon if the Internet had not already been built. Right. So somebody had already put the billions of dollars in the infrastructure for him to be able to accomplish what he did with Amazon. And can I say one word today? Yeah, go ahead. Tim, is it Werner's Lee or Berners Lee? The guy who wrote the code for, like, the first website. Tim Berners-Lee, I think it was. Yeah. The first website ever created was created on this day, August 6th. Oh, really? I think it was 1991. <laughs> I did not so know that. So that's been, what, 30 years ago? Yeah, that's crazy. Tim Berners-Lee, he, uh, he did it, man. And here we are. Here we One are. One little website all those years ago, and now look what we got. And I don't think we used the Internet to the full potential that we should, but it's okay. But if we need kitten memes, they're yeah, there. Yeah, they're there. Yeah. We need to, to spew hate on each other and all this crap. Yeah. Misinformation. And, yeah, I Absolutely. know. It is a tool. Um, but here's the thing. Um, 
these big mega cities could even potentially be like as good or better than living on earth. You know what I mean? But the idea is you can get some of the population living in these big mega, you know, uh, earth orbiting cities. And then therefore you're not putting such a strain on the planet. Gotcha. Now that's the science fiction part. That's the we're si- getting that's into that's the science fiction there, stuff. Yes. I mean, we know but we're headed that way. I, I'm past the near future. We're going into the sci-fi stuff. Okay. Um, All right. But I do like his ideas better, though, that, hey, this is the planet for us to live on. We're not going out. And here's the why. Let's talk about that a little well, bit. Well, do you want to hit, before we get too far gone, Okay. do you want to hit just recently on the uh, on the recent Blue Origin thing? Yeah, yeah, You know, we absolutely. know that uh, yeah. Richard... That was cool. You know, somebody we haven't mentioned is old Richard Branson, the Virgin Megastore guy, the Virgin dude. Yeah. He, uh, he went up into space here not too long ago. And then now, here recently, Blue Origin... Took Bezos, uh, one of the original female kind of astronaut trainees yes, uh-huh. that they decided not to send up, and then some rich Norwegian kid or something. Right. So they went into what? They went out just outside of Earth's atmosphere, just into. Did they? Yes. They, did they go far enough to orbit, or did no, they? No, they didn't. Okay. Uh, I forget the name of that kind of rocket, um, non-orbital rocket. Okay. Yeah, it was a non-orbital But they, they did yeah. something here recently, and they made it up, and they landed safely. Yes. And on that And note, it's reusable, John, right? Yes. And it look, it, what was real neat about it, John, too, as I watched it, is it looked real clean burning. And it looked real phallic to me. It did look very well. phallic. <laughs> it is and very clean phallic. Burning. I don't know what Jeff's trying to prove there, but uh, yeah, he, he's got a pretty specific design for that rocket for sure. <laughs> It kind of looks like your T-shirt, Keith. Yeah, it does. I'm wearing a new a, shepherd, a new blue shepherd, origin, blue origin rocket shirt right now <laughs> that you'll see in our video. Maybe. Um, here's the thing: <laughs> it did look kind of clean burning. He talks about how he uses hydrogen and oxygen mix. It talks about this certain mix that he uses that is very clean burning. Um, I think he even said it was 100 percent clean. But anyway, okay. John. Um, yeah, but well, he's a salesman, you know, he's lying. Yeah, but interesting fact on that, John, is so that everybody thinks that the first reusable rocket that landed was Elon Musk, right? But here's the thing. Two weeks before Elon Musk landed his rocket, Jeff yeah. Bezos landed his rocket. All right. And a lot of people don't know that. Here's why a lot of people don't know that. Because Elon Musk's SpaceX's first was the first orbital rocket, so it was a lot bigger rocket. Okay. And he landed it. But Jeff Bezos landed a non-orbital rocket two weeks before he did. So Jeff so what you're saying is Jeff Bezos is the Russia the Sputnik. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to, I guess. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't think he would like that. Title no, he wouldn't much, appreciate that. That man. might not be good for business. But yeah. Um, but anyway, Jeff and Bezos and Blue Origins also is um, involved in the the NASA human landing system. The national team is comprised of Blue Origin, Lockheed Martin, uh, Northrop Grumman. Northrop Grumman. Yeah, they, Grumman. They're, all those places are. Uh, and all Draper. those companies are in Huntsville. Yeah. So they're working on a human landing system for NASA's Artemis program to return Americans to the lunar lunar surfaces this time to stay, John. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, so he did pull that off, like you said. Um, I think there was was a lot of heinies clenched when their billionaire – you know, hand that feeds oh, them was yeah. going up into space, don't you think? Oh, I imagine so. You know, he had just stepped <laughs> down recently as the CEO of Amazon. Yeah. Only a few weeks before that, kind of a uh, just that was kind of interesting how that happened all at that time. Maybe just a just in case. Yeah, it may have been. Yeah, <clears throat> that's true. 
So now we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, the sci-fi stuff. And the reason why I mentioned that kind of sci-fi stuff first, kind of Jeff Bezos' dream or whatever, is because I really think that that dream or that that future actually has a lot more potential than other people's ideas of future space travel. Right. So let's talk about that for a minute. All right, let's do it. Going further, okay? If you ever look at a picture of the solar system, John, and see how, and I'll do this in quotes, close Air quotes. Mars is... To, in it's comparison right to the other places, it's just right there. But we already talked about just how far away it is. Yeah, away. just thirty-eight million miles away. So on top of that, on top of that, Mars. There's nowhere in the solar our solar system that seems desirable at all. We've been everywhere with probes, everywhere, even asteroids and comets and stuff. We went right. everywhere. Um, all the planets we've looked at them. Most a lot of them are gas planets. You can't even land on them you anyway. Can't land on it. Um, and the ones that you know, are not gas planets. They're just not desirable. They're either too big, so gravity's way off, you know, yeah. and the days and all that stuff. And it's just nothing's desirable. So the idea is to find the closest thing that possibly may have had life on it or could or, or could, has sustained yeah. life. You know, that's the big thing on Mars. Has there been life on Mars before? Yes. Has there been this? It's something yeah. like Earth, Earth similar, you right. know? Oh, very like much Mars's so. gravity is not identical to Earth, but it's like... <laughs> Kind of close. It's know? not so big. It's not so strong that you're going to collapse into a puddle of mud yes. once you step on it. And it's, you know? it's, there's dirt there. You can land on it. Right. You know? Okay, well, there's nothing in the solar system that looks desirable. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We've been all over. Um, the next closest star, John, how far away is that? Four light years. Light years. Think about that, Keith. The distance that light, which travels at what, 186,000 feet per second? Per second. That the amount of distance that light would travel in four years. In four that's years. That's just unfathomable. You, you can't even wrap your mind around it, really. That's amazing. Let's, let's try to break it down just right, a little bit. Down, if we could travel one-tenth that fast. One-tenth. Which would be about 67 million miles per hour. Million. It would take 40 years to get there. At sixty-seven million, at sixty-seven miles. <laughs> million miles per hour, and that's so the that nearest star, getting, John. That would be getting to and from Mars in one hour. Yeah, that's and funny. let's put this in perspective: 67 million miles per hour. Yeah. That's twenty-seven hundred times faster than the fastest manned spacecraft ever. Two seven zero zero. Yeah, two thousand seven hundred times faster than we've ever traveled in a spacecraft, and we would still take forty years to get there. And imagine that. Now, this is not down here, but imagine the G's that goes into the acceleration <laughs> exactly. that would smash you into a puddle of blood and bone right. instantaneously as you lift it off. I'm guessing you, you would have kind of to, speed. like, you'd have to, like, work your way up to that speed, or there's no way it'd even be possible to survive it. No, you, know? you couldn't. They would have to be all kinds of high tech that we yeah. haven't even begun to think of at this juncture. So let. Let's just give you, okay, so that's the nearest star, and we're not even sure what's there. We're not even sure that in that solar system there's a planet So if it's that's a star, habitable. Keith, remember this. If it's a star, it's basically a sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be a burning ball of fire that when you make it there 67,000 yeah. million miles later, you'll burn up in a heap of ash instantly. But they have discovered planets near that star that they gotcha. think could possibly be like Earth. Okay. But, like, I mean, you're basing that on nothing. The data you're basing <laughs> that on is like, I don't know, shadows. That's or good enough like. to scientifically speculate and talk about it on Earth. But if right. I'm on a rocket going there, 
Yeah. I need to like look, man. There's a there's a Dollar General on every corner. Yeah. There's somewhere you can get candy bars and, and right exactly and, and fresh water to drink. You know. And so, you know, the ideas that have come forth so far is like let's use little tiny microscopic uh, sensors and shoot them with light cells, and then maybe we can get at least some data. And if you can shoot them with light cells at, you know, ten, one-tenth the, the speed of light, which they think might be possible, then you might can get some data to send back to us and at least know us out there, but it still take 40 years just to get that data. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. Uh, so never mind intergalactic travel. That's just the nearest star. Now, you see on sci-fi movies all the time, intergalactic travel. Let me just explain this to you, John. If you explain were to it, travel explain 10 times the speed of the light. Yeah, of the light. Which is, many people think is impossible. Impossible. At least um, according to current physics and understanding. Let's just say this. Let's put it this way. The nearest galaxy is 2.5 million light years away. 2.5 The nearest million. galaxy, yeah. 2.5 million light years That's away. That's insane. It's insane. Um, if we were to travel, um, let's see, well, I didn't get that. that stat yeah, that there. didn't quite look. I didn't, yeah, that's well, okay. either way, the bottom line. I think is, it would take about ten thousand years to get traveling speed of light. No, if you were traveling ten, 10 times, times the speed, the of, speed light, of light, it would to take get to the nearest galaxy. No, I'm talking about across the Milky Way. Okay, got it. It's like a hundred thousand light years across. Across. So if you're traveling ten times the speed of light, which is impossible, most people think exactly. Then it would take ten thousand years to get from one side of the gal- right. our galaxy to the next. Exactly. And so, I don't know, John. I mean, like, I, it just enters the realm of impossibility to me. It does, Keith. Unless we want to get far out there, okay? Yeah. So, which is like, uh, so there are some fuels that might could tra- make us travel faster, like antimatter. Um, that's a real thing. It has a hundred percent energy transfer, and just to put that in perspective. A nuclear reaction, which we know how awesome a nuclear reaction is, it only has about 3% of an antimatter reaction. And Keith, this is a whole different ballgame, but when you start really getting into sci-fi, you start talking about stuff like wormholes. Yeah, bending time and space. bending time and space. And and honestly, John, we can get into sci-fi, but I think that's the only way that you could actually pull off. You could even begin to think. Yeah. That you could do so there's if there's some kind of physics we don't know about, but see, I think you're entering into the the realm of God at that point. Like right. things only God can do. You right. know what I mean? I don't think we'll ever be able to do it. I, really I don't, don't either. And and I don't think I would want to. You know, because I would be happy just to uh, get me a nice little cabin on the river while they're traveling to intergalactic spaces. Yeah, give me a book and a guitar and a fishing pole. Heck yeah, Keith, I'd be good to go. Man, this I'd is be, the best planet. I'd be maxing and relaxing right here on planet Earth. This planet's awesome. And maybe that's something we should consider, Keith, is let's throw that in there. Is It's neat to talk about these things, but let's always have an, uh, maybe let's even say this, an inordinate amount of gratitude yes. for this world as imperfect as it is and as many problems yeah. Is there are socially, spiritually, whatever, you know, let's be grateful every day. Yeah, like, I'm grateful to be here doing this podcast, man, with Keith Clay. Yeah. And, and think about and, this, man. God loves us so much that even this world he's going to fix. Absolutely. You know? The kingdom come, man. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, that's I like what to look forward to, man. Don't don't be looking at this impossible stuff that ain't going to happen. Now, now, I will it's say... It's fun, and I like to speculate about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. We don't know how long we're going to be here right. before God fixes it. 
And so I, I'm not opposed to thinking about the future generation. Oh, sure. That's absolutely. why I kind of like Jeff Bezos' idea right. of like trying to preserve the planet God gave us because we do need right. to think about those things. Absolutely, man. Be good stewards of this place. It's absolutely. a beautiful place. It is. That's all I got, John. That's all I got, man. So this is uh, John and Keith here with Flumadiddle. Do you flumadiddle.com. Do you flumadiddle at gmail.com. And uh, consider supporting us on Patreon. We'd really appreciate it. Consider it strongly. <laughs> All right, love you guys. All right, peace out.